When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thanks for listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, part of the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Check out all their awesome basketball shows today at hoopheadspod.com. Another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you from Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there. all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you could like, share, subscribe, follow, or do whatever it is that you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos. Game source, of course, everyone out there at LakersBall.com. Go ahead and check out Ox1947, who is also part of our live watch party at playback.tv slash Lakers Fast Break. He's also at LakersBall.com. Plus, if you want your lawn transformed into something much more magical than it is today, please go ahead and check out Simblades. Simblades for the Y.com if you're in Southern California area. Our good friend Laker Tom, the number one Lakers blogger that's out there. Please go ahead and check him out today at Lakerholics.com, plus our good friend Jamie Sweet. You know he will have five things, not pretty good things, though, to say about what went on in today's game, but you can find it today at Lakerholics.com. Plus also, as well, our good friends at the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, and if you can support all of that, plus give us a like and subscribe. We're almost at 500 subscribers. We were trending. We were viral last night because of Joe Soros. So go ahead and check out the YouTube short right below the channel if you're on YouTube and also the Upside Swings podcast for the latest and greatest news and prospectus on what's going on with the NBA draft. Go ahead and check it out today, the Upside Swings podcast. But the Lakers heading into Memphis today, obviously hearing the bad news yesterday about the extended injury with LeBron. A little bit more clarification is that they're going to go, actually, he's going to go see a foot specialist tomorrow, and maybe we can get a little bit more clarification. Also, that the Lakers are going to, after two weeks, reevaluate how the foot of LeBron is and the severity of the injury at hand. Plus, also, D'Angelo Russell 
unfortunately is still out with that sore ankle and may be out tomorrow as well. He's listed as doubtful still. So we'll see what happens on the back-to-back. But the Lakers head into Memphis with Anthony Davis in tow, ready to go ahead and take on the challenge as the Lakers still trying to fight up the standings to get back into the play-in and playoff mix. Tonight, we saw a good performance from Anthony Davis, 28 points, 19 rebounds, five blocks. <sighs> Lonnie Walker the fourth. A lot of people out there have been asking for more Lonnie the Walker the fourth. And in the absence of LeBron, you got it with 21 points himself. But unfortunately, John Morant, after a halftime lead for the Lakers at 49-46, completely took over the third quarter with 28 points, a franchise record. And even that, the Lakers fell behind at double digits, but still came back in the fourth quarter to cut it down to five. But unfortunately, a late collapse and 26 turnovers overall spelled doom for the Lakers in a 121-109 to loss. And here today to talk about today's game, Three great co-hosts, indeed. You got to go ahead and check out first, first man up, first man here. He is one of the guys, the three great, awesome guys at the Upside Swings podcast. It is Stone Hansen, fellow Laker fan, galore, extraordinaire. Stone, great to have you here, my friend. Unfortunately, I wish it was under better circumstances because tonight, without LeBron, the turnovers were very plentiful, unfortunately. Yeah, it's good to be here. Um, thanks for having me, but uh, definitely not the circumstances I was hoping for. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you. Uh, when you watch the game tonight, obviously you saw AD trying to pick up the slack left by LeBron. We did get a Lonnie Walker, the fourth sighting, and, and, and more so, obviously, with a great performance from the field shooting. But in the end, it was about the sloppy turnovers because – the playmaking skills without LeBron, you it, it just seemed like all these other players were forced to do more and they were very uncomfortable in doing it. Yeah, no ball handling, I think, really hurt us. Um, there's, uh, I, I think that's going to have to be something the Lakers focus on this summer is getting more ball handling. Uh, guys that can handle full-time, there's some secondary and tertiary creators within our offense, but I think uh, no D'Lo, no LeBron is what's going to uh, really hurt this team in terms of the lack of the ball handling, uh, not just creation, but just ball handling in general. Yeah, we saw that tonight. And also a play that I know is not going to make a lot of fans happy was at the end of the game when Dennis Schroeder passed the ball inside, got it stolen, and unfortunately, uh, you know, a fast break the other way for Memphis. But he decided not to go back with him. It just stayed there. And I know that's not going to go over well after we had such promising returns for him. People were really high on Dennis Schroeder coming back to the Lakers and, and playing admirably over the course of the season. I know this was probably one of, not one of his finer moments, but I'm hoping to see that maybe he'll learn from this mistake and maybe go ahead and, and focus better and focus more in the coming days and weeks. He got benched right after that. You could tell yep. the coaching staff was not very happy. I think, um, that he he's a solid point guard like i think he's a fine backup point guard but um yeah he's inconsistent defensively in the body language altogether i think near in the fourth quarter amongst a multitude of players was poor outside of anthony davis i thought he's carried himself very well uh but malik beasley and dennis schroeder are having issues communicating uh schroeder was definitely 
um, you know, drawing off at Beasley a couple of times because Beasley wasn't picking up plays or in the right spot, I noticed, um, and they were just uh, at odds with each other. And I think uh, by the time that Schroeder had turned it over, I had miscommunications with Anthony Davis that he was just fed up and, and pretty much done with the game. Also here today to talk about today's game, good man indeed. He's the madman from Toronto. He actually shoveled snow well enough to go ahead and catch the game. Unfortunately, the faux pas I made last night, I will not do that twice in a row. It is the madman, the guy who will be Friday mornings, your host for Magic Man in the Morning. It is the Magic Man, Sean Grice. And Sean, what Stone Hansen said in regards to the game... Uh, obviously the loss of your two best playmakers is hurting you, but we also saw the fact that we talked about all these great trades that Rob Palenka made, but we also got to remember that Rob Palenka got this team, what, together a couple weeks ago at the most. Yeah, Gerald has, has been a lot of, uh, hasn't been a lot of us time to, uh, get to know one another right now, especially on the court. And, uh, Stone's analysis was more apt than apt. I can't can't really uh, add much more to that other than the fact that, you know, um, Memphis is not a very good shooting team outside of, you know, 22, 24 feet. Um, so they have to get a lot of their points in the paint. That's where they eat a lot. And they're... they're they're a team that tries to create more possessions off of turnovers. And my God, we just gave them a helping, two helpings, three helpings. They had 112 shot attempts, Gerald, 112. I'm trying to, I'm trying to rack my brain and remember even the last time a Lakers team that, that was terrible defensively gave up, you know, more than 110. Um, but my God, they had 86 points in the paint. We had 48. So we, the Lakers and Memphis came into tonight as being the best two teams. Now, we know LeBron has a lot to do with that. So, you know, basically cut off, you know, 15, 20 points in the paint just off his, off his lack of presence alone. But regardless, you're right, Gerald. We held, they only made six threes. We made 13. We were a plus 21 uh, from beyond the arc. We were a plus nine in rebounding. Um, Austin Reeves didn't have a terrible game as a facilitator. He had seven assists. That's very, it's above average for him. But the lack, like Stone was saying, the lack of playmaking and um, the inability to be in the right spots at the right times, right? And with very little practice time, you know, timing is everything in this game. And it was just off just a, just a little bit, right? And we talked about everybody. Great point, Gerald. We talked about everybody trying to basically give a little bit more. And it seemed like Ham and the coaching staff wanted to give them that responsibility too. But as you said, I think it was it was just asking too much. Once again, it's the Lakers, unfortunately, falling and collapsing in the fourth quarter, 121-109 after a horrendous amount of turnovers, 26 to be exact. They got, as I said in our best Lakers chat that's out there, the Lakers pass break, 26-6 to six on the turnovers. So that'll kill you right there. 
Also here today to talk about today's game, Good Man Indeed. He has been nicknamed Joe Trending because of his trending short that you see below on the YouTube channel. Good Man Indeed, you got to go ahead and check him out whenever he's on our Lakers Live Watch Party, plus also as well, LakersBall.com. It's Ox1947. It is Joe Sorrow. And Joe, great to have you here, my friend. <sighs> that 28 points, not only the fact that the 26 turnovers obviously is a killer, but do you think what what could have they have done differently in that third quarter? Again, a problem for the Lakers, but Jean Morant going off for 28 points in that third quarter. When you think about back on that third quarter, was there anything differently they could have done to maybe slow him down just even a little? The third quarter was not the issue. The issue was in the second quarter when Memphis missed 12 shots and we didn't capitalize. And the reason why we didn't capitalize is because we didn't really have a commander controlling the offense. I was begging D'Angelo to play tonight for that reason alone. And I believe if D'Angelo had played tonight, we would have, would have been very unlikely we would have had 26 turnovers. And we may have scored during that drought that Memphis had and created enough of a lead to withstand what eventually would have happened, which we were all waiting for it to happen. We know who John Morant is. This is what he does. They're at home. This is their 26th win in 31 games at home. And the Lakers had them on the ropes. They just needed one guy to control the tempo, and they just couldn't get that guy. Schroeder is not a tempo controller. He is a point guard who can score in spurts. He's the perfect role player. He's going to be bad. He's going to be good. He's going to be in the middle. Uh, unfortunately, he ended the night worse than he's ever been in terms of he pulled up Russell Westbrook to, uh, in that last play. And I was curious what AD was telling him because uh, AD looked like he was kind of trying to see what was going on maybe. I don't know what the dialogue was on it, but I know for damn sure uh, maybe I wouldn't have done it in front of the world, but in the locker room, like, I see you do that again. I'm going to whoop your – I'm going to really tell you on the court to get your butt out of here. Um uh, and that right there, guys, it may have not mattered at that point in the game, but that sets a precedent mentally for the team, which, you know, I saw a lot of good things tonight. I was very, very impressed with how they played defense, and uh, we lost today because they had more talent than we did. That's really what it was. We needed one more guy. We needed D'Lo to be in this game, and I think we could have come away with the win. And it's just unfortunate. I hope – I hope it doesn't look like he's going to be here tomorrow, so I don't know what's going to happen there. To say it, to say this is a little bit of a low-level depression, uh, I would say it's a little bit of an understatement because I was trying to enjoy the game and then, you know, had some hope that they might be able to steal this out. But we're 20 games away from hopefully this misery going away one way or the other. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. My last movie that I saw in the theaters was The Last Skywalker. I know. Condolences to me. Wow, man. Right. I I just had talked about that and I completely forgot that I saw that movie. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Is that... (laughs) 
It doesn't speak <laughs> great things about it, I suppose. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it's the Lakers fast break. The Lakers, unfortunately, do fall 121-109. Stone, I bring it back to you. Stone Hansen from the Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast. Wanted to ask you, my friend, when it comes to what you see going forward, obviously we got the news that LeBron will see a specialist tomorrow to determine more what is going on with the foot. He's going to be reevaluated in a couple of weeks by the team, and they'll decide from there whether or not to shut him down entirely or see if he can come back. But the time is now for the Lakers. When the Lakers right now coming off that loss, they're now back down to 29 and 33. They're fighting for that play in spot. They're fighting to get back to 500. They need every victory they can get. And to not have D'Angelo in there on top of LeBron, I thought was a killer tonight, especially for something a lot of people or a lot of fans saw, the injury. Not sure. I mean, if it would have been the playoffs, would he have suited up? And that's the question I have. Is this not the playoffs that the Lakers should be in right now? That mentality should start right now. And I did hear during the broadcast that they confirmed he will be out tomorrow. He's not playing tomorrow. Uh, And Darvin Ham said... uh, told Gerald uh, or Jared Greenberg that uh, he's hoping Friday he'll be he'll be back for the five game homestead um, yeah I mean I don't know it's hard to say like uh, I never really like uh, discussing injuries without having I, I don't have any medical knowledge or know what's going on with him definitively to say but the injury on TV didn't look too bad um, I don't know if it's playable or not I I think it's a hard risk um, because I wasn't really expecting us to win this game. So I, uh, I, I had hope when we got close, but I, I never really thought that we were going to win this game. Um, so I would like to see D'Lo play tomorrow because I think now it puts pressure on you to have to win tomorrow. You can't lose two in a row, especially to OKC who doesn't have Shea. Um, and That's what I, I was going to ask because I don't think Shea was in the lineup tonight. Yeah, Shea, Shea is out, I think, for an extended period. But that doesn't make OKC any less, diff- like, more pressure that you have to win because you just lost to Memphis. And like you were saying, every game does count. So, and these are the these are the winnable games, of, not versus Memphis necessarily, but more so OKC, that you have to make sure you win. You can't drop games to OKC without Shea uh, and expect to get into the play-in. You have to make sure you're winning those sort of games. Um, OKC has a lot of ball handlers. Almost everyone on their team can pass the ball very well. So there's a lot of adjustments that Ham's going to have to make for that game and not having D'Lo hurts because OKC does have a lot of guys that can push the tempo, push the pace and transition. uh, And you want to be able to match that energy. But when you don't have D'Lo, it's going to be really difficult to do so. So I think that um, there's things we could learn from this game that we can apply to future games in order to uh, sort of evaluate how the rest of the season is going to go. AD, I thought, played extremely well, did exactly what he needed to in the absence of LeBron and D'Lo. The onus really falls on, I think, the rest of the team. Uh, I mean, Austin Reeves, for his role, played extremely well, Um, although the lack of ball handling came into play when like three or four times in transition, he couldn't get past guys to get to the rim. Um, You have guys like uh, Lonnie Walker who can shoot, but again, has trouble 
passing like he can he can handle good enough for to get himself open but he is not a playmaker um he's not someone that's going to be um making complex reads uh, off of secondary initiations uh, then you have guys um like Malik Beasley who just struggled to get himself into any sort of rhythm throughout the game and I think that uh it really shows when he plays next to LeBron or D'Lo how um, impactful he can be because uh, you have someone that's really setting him up and when you don't have that for the Lakers uh, Malik Beasley's effectiveness as a scorer really starts to fade away so there's things I think that um, Ham and the Lakers are going to have to really uh, pick apart and, and evaluate heading into tomorrow's game but tomorrow's game is is sort of a you can't a can't lose situation you have to win that game I think in order to stay in the play playing hunt especially because OKC is your biggest contender in terms of uh, who you're fighting with in the standings. Well, I just want to clarify, because I know Hugo909 uh, was asking as well. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who was out the previous two games uh, with an injury, is actually out now even more with health and safety protocols, which was announced before Tuesday night's game. So it's more than likely he'll be out tomorrow's game as well. So I like what Stone said. It, the urgency is now, but also the fact that you have to go on the road. You have to take that game in OKC. They have essentially the same record, Sean, as the Lakers, with the Lakers 29 and 33, 12th in the Western Conference, but Oklahoma City is like 28 and 32, essentially the same record right behind them, technically. But again, the Lakers, you know, they're, they're essentially the same record. So tomorrow, the game is extremely important to the Lakers, not only for that purpose, but for to stay within breathing room of the play-in and New Orleans. All at the same time, because New Orleans, as Joe and I have dreamed about, it's right there. New Orleans is 10th right now. They're only a game away from the Lakers. It is still doable by the end of this week that the Lakers could surpass them. So I'm still keeping positive on the front, but it has to start tomorrow and it has to start without Shea Gil Gilgis Alexander in Oklahoma City, Sean. Uh, absolutely, Gerald. I mean, if uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander is not playing, then you should win that game. I don't think there's, like, I can't say this because LeBron's out, but to me, Shea Gilgis Alexander, he's the second best facilitator who doesn't need help in the NBA to me. Outside of LeBron, I mean, he just... He is just a natural uh, scoring machine that can create for others. It's just dependent on possession by possession what he wants to do. So if somebody like that is unavailable for the Thunder, you should win that game. No doubt about it. You're right. Stone's right. 100%. Absolutely. And I will I will say this. Uh, just uh, I think we're all – pleased with uh reeves's uh improvement as far as his shot is concerned i mean when when he takes a three now i don't automatically cringe uh as, as we did like a couple years ago like he, it, it his mechanics look a lot better right um he seems more confident with it it's just what stone was talking about and uh gerald's mentioned it joe's mentioned it his handle needs work his handle needs work because when he drives into the paint, it's it's kind of a 70-30 grimace cringe uh, percentage with Gerald when we're watching it on playback. He will cringe most of the time when Austin is driving into the lane. Once in a while, it's a grimace, but 
it's yeah. not pretty all the time. It's not. It's not. I, like, yeah, it's not. When so he hopefully... dribbles in traffic, it's not. You know, sometimes no, he, he does like it's like watching an action film, and you're watching the car like barrel through traffic, and you're like, he's gonna actually hit some of the side windows. <laughs> you know and take them <laughs> off as he's going so yeah, yeah no that's true that's a great analogy Gerald we should actually put you should actually put that on uh the short that actually that that works you know but he only had four of the 26 turnovers though as 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 a uh, little gruff as the handle may be uh and I was just seeing the Lakers are the first team in NBA history to have six or more players have have combined three or more turnovers. Vanderbilt had three. Schroeder at six. AD had five. Um, missing somebody got missing something here, guys. Help me out. But it was just a disastrous look by all six of those guys. Reeves had four. Yeah. Walker had three. Walker had three. Yeah. So uh, Schroeder had six. So. Six or more players with just three or more turnovers. Davis had no. five. Vanderbilt it's had not going to win you any road games. It's not going to win you any road games in the NBA. I don't care who you're playing. You know, if you give a team 26 extra possessions, they're going to score points. It's it's a statistical probability. We're, we're not going to fool ourselves, right? So that was awful. I mean, they out-rebounded them, even though Adams was out. But they got killed in the paint. They were the offensive able to... rebounds for Memphis, just the putbacks and just the offensive rebounds. Oh my got. god, it's and... still an issue for the Lakers. Yeah, well, and Jaron Jackson's uh, poster that uh, he could talk about for the rest of his life on AD there. And Joe, uh, Joe had mentioned that that's probably the dunk of the year. I wouldn't disagree at this point. Well, that was it was a great dunk, absolutely, but. Joe, I want to ask you about Lonnie Walker the fourth. Uh, and it's Lonnie Walker fourth. You know, a lot of people in the chat have been asking to see him because he's been in the not the necessarily the doghouse per se, but he has been put back at the far end of the rotation. And today's uh, you know situation with LeBron James and D'Lo both being out necessitated him in the lineup. You see the good as far as uh, Lonnie Walker, as far as being able to go ahead and give you an offensive scoring punch, and he was hot from behind the arc. But you also saw the bad when you asked him to do some playmaking, which uh, you know obviously didn't end up with good results most of the time. And then also his defense, eh, it, it was something left to be desired as well. Well, that's the that's pretty much what he is. He's a hot and cold player. Yeah. Uh, Russell Westbrook is a hot and cold player with very, very cold additions. Stop it, Joe. I'm going to get a parka on here. On, yeah, on top of that. <laughs> and that, that's because of the attitude. And at least Lonnie Walker's not playing with an attitude that isn't warranted. The We're, we're limited in, in, in certain parts of this thing if we don't have certain players can't lose your two point guards uh, in a, in a, on a team that only has really two point guards. You can't you can't create any kind of flow on offense without those guys. If you had Shaq maybe in his prime with the triangle offense, that's a different story. But this team and in a league where you need guard play and good guard play, we could have definitely used one of those guys. If LeBron or D'Lo played, not even both, 
if LeBron or D'Lo played tonight, I really believe we would have won this game. Yeah, I, I agree uh, with you on that. And and that's that is the the ultimate gut punch of the 22-23 season. It's just we're always missing. We're always missing that that that, that last second grab. It's like, oh, I just missed it. And this is the result. The result is we can't win these games unless we have the right people in at the right time. And we just don't have that luck. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go with this. Look at Shea Gilgis Alexander. He's out. LeBron is out. Half the other guys are out. Giannis is out. Like, you know, I don't know what to do anymore. I don't know what to to think about all this. You have a guy who sprained his ankle standing up. How the hell do you roll your ankle standing up? And not only that, for a week. I don't know. I don't know what to say anymore. What the hell is going on in this league? People are breaking their ankles, literally, LaMelo Ball. Alonzo Ball can't come back from a knee injury from four years ago. What is going on here? I don't understand. I don't understand how this thing can get fixed. This isn't even LeBron. LeBron, fine. Guy's been playing for 80 years. But you have guys that have only been in the league for four or five years and are breaking down. I don't remember players breaking down. And these guys are not high flyers either. So you can't sit there and say, well, the game is much faster. I'm like, hold on, hold on. Yeah, okay. If you're if you're John Morant getting hurt, that's one thing, or AI, yes. But a lot of these guys are they're 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 grounded players. They're not high flyers. Why are these guys breaking down? What is the epidemic here? Bad diets? Is it the floor? Is it different than it was 20 years ago? What is it? I want to know. I think this needs to be talked about more. I want to know what the hell's going on. You think they're talking about it at all as far as with the, you know, the collective bargain agreement at all? Because it's no, you know, no, rumor it has like it, it's, it. Being, it's close to being ratified. I yes, it's going to be ratified because I don't think Adam Silver gives a crap about being right in this case. I think he just wants to give everybody what they want and then call it a day. It, that, that's pretty much where he's going now. And that's a shame. Okay, somebody dropped a fork right there. <laughs> And it's still the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. The Lakers do, unfortunately, lose 121 to 109. Careful when you drop those forks. It's pretty nasty. But Stone, let me go at this Joe. <laughs> Joe's acting. Joe's a spoon. This is a spoon. Okay. It's a I feel like the Matrix. Okay, the Matrix. Are you going to bend it? Can you bend it when you look at it like on the Matrix? There is no spoon. There is no spoon. <laughs> Oh, Stone, uh, getting back to the game. I mean, when you're seeing what, what you're seeing, uh, you know, and the turnovers, 26, Oklahoma City, they have to go ahead and make sure they have something better. You know, Oklahoma City is also playing tonight. There's no excuses. They're both playing tonight. They should both be at the same level. Yeah, the Lakers do have to travel for a little bit to get there, but still, come on, that shouldn't be much of a big deal. I mean, the impetus is on, and there's a big matchup tomorrow, and, and – it playoff in the implications with you know going in with 20 games left are really important what do you think the lakers need to focus on when they head into oklahoma city i think the biggest thing is use ad to the fullest capacity that you can because 
Uh, OKC does not have a rim protector. OKC, I, I scouted um, Jalen Williams, the one with a Y, Jay Will, as they say, uh, from Arkansas. Uh, I love him. I think he's a fantastic team and scheme defender. He is not a rim protector, and I think that you need that when you're facing AD. Uh, and the and the Lakers need to take full advantage of that, uh, and and just use AD as much as possible within the paint. Uh, the other big thing is they have ball handlers and passers everywhere. Uh, Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, uh, Great Giddy, love that, kid. Uh, love yeah, awesome. Giddy, uh, another guy who is just an awesome connective passer. Um, as a team, they just pass so well, and um, they have one of the best young head coaches in the league with uh, Dignalt, who's really great at adjusting in game. Uh, Isaiah Joe is maybe the best shooter in the NBA right now. Uh, and you have to make sure that uh, we obviously got burnt on the perimeter uh, tonight. That's been an issue for us. We have no point of attack guy. Uh, that's been an issue since we got rid of Caruso. We haven't Vanderbilt been to... even tried to pick up J- uh, uh, John Moran tonight. That's, yeah, that's the difficult part because you need uh, Vanderbilt and AD sort of in the paint as second as primary and secondary rim protectors, but there's there's nobody on the perimeter that can consistently keep somebody out. Um, and I, I really think that that's like your only two good defenders are Vanderbilt and Anthony Davis at this point. Their own is like all the they carry all the weight defensively. And I think that uh, when you go to OKC, you have to make sure that you're cognitive of that and um, prevent sort of the the guys that can get in the paint. Jalen Williams has a floater. Uh, Giddy can get in and finish, but he also loves to drive and kick and collapse defenses. You have to make sure that you're protecting the paint and not letting these guys penetrate because the Thunder, even though they don't have Shea uh, in their young team, they're still like, they're not like a blowover team. They're like actually a formidable opponent and you have to take them seriously. I think in order to do that, you have to make sure, number first and foremost, that you're using AD to the fullest of his capacities on offense. I agree with you, and that's the thing. We've got to lay a heavy burden, Sean, on AD in the days and the weeks and months to come. And we saw a little taste of that tonight. Obviously, outside the turnovers, had a really good game. You know, trying to stay with John Morant on the inside, it's been very hard. I, I get that. I understand that. But he was very... Uh, and I understand he was plus minus. He was a minus, one of the biggest on the team as far as minus are concerned. But you got to admit, when he was in there, he was giving it his all. Uh, I, I just feel when he's going out and and you know you don't know how much longer you're going to have him in there, and you're giving that kind of effort, it makes that play by Dennis Schroeder, not the turnover per se, but the fact that he just didn't try, it, it makes it that much more worse, especially for a player who's been having such good vibes and feelings for most of the season this secondary um run with us you know it's been mostly positive reviews i'd say for the most part yeah he's played his role he's done his job um it's just you know he had just a clunker tonight just that's that's kind of the best way to describe it it's just it was a clunker you know he's like any other point guard you know one out of seven, eight games, you know, you're going to have an off night. But, Gerald, can we talk about about something that's that's very important here? And, of course. And that's um, – so next year – go and this is, there's a point to this. 
You have Vando and you have AD on paper right now as your, as your two bigs. You need a third big, and you acquired Mo Bamba. Now, in the past four games, I'm going <laughs> to give you his minutes per game, okay? Stone was automatically, yeah, it's no! a, right, Yes, I know exactly where he's going to go. That's why I want to hear his thoughts. So here's minutes per game, okay? The four games, three out of four wins, okay? 16, 22, 6, 1. Didn't really play against Dallas. And for some reason, we don't know because we're not in practice. And Darvin Ham played in the NBA for a really long time. She coached in the NBA for a really long time. He would rather play a small ball lineup than have Mobamba out there. And I've noticed. Yes. And I've I've noticed specifically he just does not want to play Mo Bamba and AD together. Uh, but, uh, and know, I was hoping to hear well, Stone's uh, thoughts on that. Well, I'll say before Stone goes on, you know, as I told you from the beginning, the theory of Mo Bamba is better mm-hmm. than the reality of yes. Mo Bamba. Yeah, it's like communism. It, like, it works in theory, but, but <laughs> yeah. not in actuality. Yeah, not in practice, but yeah, Stone, I want to hear your thoughts. You were shaking your head from the get-go on it. Yes. Mo Bamba, I, I would actually still try to give it a try with AD just to see because, you know, maybe they, they can work off of each other. Maybe they have the ability to go ahead and play off each other because of their different strengths and weaknesses, maybe just a little bit. But as far as a long-term solution, Mo Bamba, again, unfortunately, because he has no energy or force in his game unfortunately that's always going to keep him back and he's going to keep bouncing around teams including the lakers for the rest of his career yeah i've actually i i'm i I like the magic a lot so i watch a lot of magic games and i scouted bomba in his draft so i've i've had a good feel for him for six years now and watched a lot of mo bomba he has some one of the some of the worst defensive awareness like of any big in the nba um he is a rim protector he can block shots um and he's got a massive wingspan which is a huge factor in why he can do that but he he's not defensively acute as to what's going on outside of who he's focused on uh defensively and i think that that is a big part of why he can't play next to ad because uh, ad is no longer as mobile as he was uh in new orleans and I think when AD is your best paint defender, the last thing you want to do is take AD away from the paint in the rim as a defender. I think you want to play to his strengths. Uh, and if you want the best rim protection um, that you can get, you're going to play AD at the five. And Bamba is just not able to play at the four. Uh, and the other thing is with D'Lo and LeBron out, Mo Bamba has two things he can do on offense. One of them is shoot off the catch on a standstill. Uh, and the other thing is be a lob threat. Uh, and when you don't have someone that can consistently create and pass in order, nobody on this team can really throw lobs without D'Lo and LeBron. So that sort of eliminates that threat of his verticality. And the other thing is you don't have someone to penetrate the paint really on a consistent basis, as we saw tonight. Outside of uh, Schroeder, who turns it over every time he gets an assist, so that that sort of just eliminates Bomba's skill set, like right off the bat, when you don't have those two guys. Um, but even when you do defensively, he's just not somebody that 
can really hang on an NBA court. Um, and I think that there's like, he's on a non-guaranteed. I would just let him go in free agency. I wouldn't pick up the, the guaranteed portion. Uh, I would just, just uh, cut him and, and let him go because I think that there's better bargain bin defenders out there in free agency this summer. But I also think as well that uh, his, uh, I guess, guarantee is guaranteed probably not to be picked up because of LeBron's injury, because he's exactly the type of player who looks really good when LeBron is playing alongside him in lineups. And when he's out of the game and has to do more on his own or is hoping for a lot more from his teammates, yeah, that's when you see the flaws stick out that much more. Yeah, well, and, and it's pretty obvious too because Ham Ham didn't hesitate to put Wendy and Gabriel in. Yeah, Not that was the right move too. I think. Yeah, for for that for that team, definitely for sure. The the first game that Bombo played when uh, I forget who it was, but the first game when he came off that suspension, you know, yeah, I believe it was New Orleans. New Orleans. There's two times the camera cut away, and you saw Darvin Ham shaking his head after Bomba had committed a foul on one of them because he fouled out in that game. And then also after he had airballed a three, cause he airballed, I think two of them in that game. So right. ham from the get go was not a fan of uh, Mo Bamba. Uh, and for all these sort of, I guess, disagreements I have with him and how he's run this team uh, throughout the season. I think that he is in the right for, for having been so speculative of Mo Bamba. I agree. Joe. Joe, I want to ask you this. And once again, it's the Lakers fast break. The Lakers do unfortunately lose 121 to 109. Joe, I want to bring you in. Uh, my, your thoughts on this because Oklahoma City is tomorrow and Minnesota is on Friday. And those two teams are within striking distance for the Lakers as far as one being right on top of them and the other one not too far up. As of right now, I believe they are ninth. Minnesota is in the Western Conference. I'll look to clarify just to make sure. But your thoughts on this, Joe, what do they have to do? These are two winnable games coming up tomorrow without Shea and Minnesota at home. You've got the ninth team and the 13th place team. You can go ahead and actually get some distance on or distance closer to with two good wins to close out the week and get you right into the mix in the plans. Do you think it's possible? Do you think it's going to be something that we can get done? Well, it's possible. Uh, they're going to have to figure out a way to run the offense without the mistakes tonight were terrible. They were throwing balls to the stands. They looked like a bunch of Russell Westbrooks in the fourth quarter. <clears throat> Maybe it was an honorary game for him. Maybe it's, we, we're going to remember uh, in memoriam uh, Westbrook. If you want to use the word honorable, you have to put the U and the N in front of that if you want to <laughs> do that. But um, This is true. The My – I don't really know how to answer the questions anymore for for this particular team because it's it's i said in the last show it's a game by game basis we i did not go into this game thinking we we're going to turn the ball over 26 times and it's sad that we lost this game because of 26 turnovers if they have 16 turnovers which is still a lot they probably win this game because uh I, i've been trying to find the stats on this I, I can't find it i don't know how many points they got off turnovers but i'm sure it was a lot so if you re, re, subtract the 10 turnovers let's say 
and, and let's say they end up scoring 20 points out of that. That's a pretty big chunk. And again, this was a lot of unforced turnovers. It wasn't Just to them. let you know, Joe, the Lakers uh, uh, points off of turnovers, 41 to nine. Yeah. To let you know. So right around what I thought would it be around 20 points for those 10 extra turnovers that they gave uh, that I think cost them the game. Um, I did a little research on the beginnings of what we are watching right now in terms of the NBA culture. The seven seconds or less offense has now become the norm. So Mike D'Antoni not only deflated the Lakers when he was a coach here, he deflated the entire league with his philosophy. And I know Gerald loves the run and gun scoring 180 points a game. But you destroyed a pretty part of the game, too, by not playing defense either. So interesting statistic. Steve Nash, and this is not a sample size. This is a pretty good piece. You're talking about three full seasons, okay? When Nash got the Phoenix, the starting lineup for the run-and-gun current culture at that point well it wasn't current at that point for everyone but they were the beginnings of this era of this a lot of activity a lot of running a lot of jumping a lot of just athleticism right so that starting lineup played 82 81 80 79 and 75 games that's joe johnson sean marion amari stoudemire quentin richardson and steve nash the following year 81, 79, 81, 79. And then Barbosa, I believe, was coming off the bench. He didn't, he only played 57 games, but Eddie House played 81. And James Jones played 75. The year after that, Sean Marion played 80 games. Rajah Bell played 78 games. Steve Nash played 76. Amari played 82. This is an injury-prone player, by the way, too. And then Leandro Barbosa played 80. Boris Diaw played 73, 76 uh, for James Jones. So, and these weren't rookies, okay? Nash had been in the league for 10 years at that point. So, are we going to hang on this fallacy that the game is too fast and too athletic and too jumpy and too uh, stopping and going? Why were these guys who are less athletic able to do what they're doing? And I say less athletic... I know Leandro Bosso is like a Mighty Mouse, but we have guys that can jump out the building, right? Leandro Bosso can run fast, but he couldn't jump out the building like a Joe Moran. So this is something that I think would be good to, to put on Adam Silver's table before he signs that deal with M Michelle Roberts and says, well, you're reasoning about all this. Oh, and by the way, they have like eight different strength and conditioning coaches now and 17 different nutritionists what are they feeding these guys lard in the locker room what do you crisco, need all these people for crisco oil with extra fat right there for you what Put do they need this stuff the for pan. yeah mix it up all the good yes it, yes lebron and he's is out of the equation here guys the guys played 20 plus years i'm not talking about lebron I'm talking about everyone else that's in their playing prime they're, they're five, six, seven, eight, nine years in the league. 
Where the hell are these guys? Why aren't they playing? All we're talking about tonight is, will this guy be here? This guy's not here. We should win. What happens on Friday? Is this guy going to be available? I'm tired of this discussion because I can't give an answer. And the reason why we had 26 turnovers tonight is because someone sprained an ankle standing up. He was standing up. You have any idea how many times I've turned my ankle in my life standing up? This many times. And maybe everyone else on the planet. He's out for a week and a half? What the hell happened? Did that floor infect him with some kind of symbiote? I don't get it. I don't know what's going on. So as you guys were talking, one of the good things about having a four-person panel is it allows me to start answering the questions that are being asked as the show is going on. So guess what? I went into the depths of this past or this excuse of it's too fast. And I was about to say mother effer. I just showed you three examples at a time where this culture started with players that had been in the league longer than half of these guys that sit 20 and 25 games a year. Shaquille O'Neal in 2008 with Phoenix played 75 games. Even Shaq played 75 games after 16 years. He still managed to play 75 games that year. What's going to happen tomorrow? Shea Gilgis is out because of protocol. What the freak does that even mean? What protocol? For what? He's got a tummy ache? We have protocols now for tummy aches? Turning everyone into a bunch of freaking That's what you've done. Here we are talking about it. I don't know what else to say. I'm tired. I'm tired of, yeah, we might play tomorrow and... Gee golly, yeah, if this, if, if the ants don't come into the locker room, we'll spray them, or we won't, or we might win because there's aerosol in the air, or whatever the hell it is that something swings that we can use it as an excuse. We lost today because we didn't have a point guard, because somebody was standing up and got hurt, Would you like and we're blaming Darvin Ham, and we're blaming this guy, and I'm tired of blaming how about we start blaming the people who aren't around? What's going to happen Friday? What's going to happen in the next 20 minutes right now? Is 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 uh, is Beasley going to walk outside and all of a sudden his ear gets cold? And, and now, oh, he's got frostbite in his ear. We don't know if he's going to be able to hear the plays on the court tomorrow. I was just going to ask you, if though, if you wanted some French fries. You know, if you no, I don't. That, that high-fat diet right there. Okay. I, I also picture just like, you know, Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey just like shattering across the screen. You know, just really- By the way, this, I wasn't but angry. Here, here, here's- well, hold on. Joe wasn't angry. Sean. I wasn't angry until just now. And this is something that I, I'm, I'm going to finish this up, Sean. I'm sorry. I, I took longer than I thought I would, but this has to be said. So my crew, the guys I grew up with, we, we, we would say stuff like, we're firecrackers. We fire the firecracker is out is on and then it's gone. That happens. My wife has gotten used to it. Friends of mine have gotten used to it. It's a reaction to something. We're reacting to the spark. We're reacting to the fire. It burns. It explodes and then it's gone. Okay. I'm reacting to what we've talked about in the last twenty minutes. I didn't come into this place 
going, oh, you know, I'm going to lay into stuff. I mean, sometimes that happens, but I didn't come into this doing that. But what happened is you guys flamed it. You guys kept building it. You kept building, not in, the wrong, not in a bad way. It, it, it happened. It's, it's what we were discussing. You asked the question. Oh, you know, Shea Gilgis is, darn, he's not available tomorrow. We have to win this. And then what happens Friday? Is this guy going to play? I mean, do you have any idea how asinine this, this thought process is? Who's going to play? That's the discussion we have every week. I, I, yeah. can't, I can't put a button on this. There needs to be curse words. We need to go back to playback. I can't. <laughs> I, I can put a button on this. But I can't curse. If you curse on YouTube, that's fine, Joe. I'm not gonna uh, do it. No, no. Okay. I'm playing the I'm playing the I straight. Just have to this is ridiculous. It's gotten ridiculous. I I knew, I knew we had a shot in this game if D'Angelo was playing. I, I've watched too much damn basketball in my life. I knew it. They just needed someone to control the tempo. The Lakers were playing well, their defense was was doing well. They made all these turnovers because no one can handle the ball. No one, other than Schroeder to some degree, but he's not a point guard. He's not. I'm sorry, he's not. So I just it just pisses me off. It's 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 like be available, man. Be available. But we can't. No one is. It's not just the Lakers, it's everyone. Just sucks. It sucks that this is the culture we have to deal with now. And here in I think it just finally sunk in because I read this this morning where they're going to just pass this damn CBA. He ain't going to hold anyone accountable. And guess what? They don't give a damn for sure now. Like, we're getting our money. People are still coming. The salary cap's going up. And then we have to sit here and eat it because we're the problem. We keep watching. Look, we've been here for, what, an hour? Almost an hour? We watched it for two hours, two and a half hours. We're the problem. Then we're going to continue to be the problem, punching ourselves in the face every day when we don't like what we like. There you go. That's my rant for the night. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. So let me get this straight. We're going to play a like a video game together? or Well, not exactly. Okay, fine. W- where's the controller? Uh, that's it's, it's right here. This is literally a sheet of paper. I don't understand what you well, here. Re- you're going to need these two dice. You just had. Are these even dice? We are going to play Vampire the Masquerade. It's a role playing game. What kind of vampire do you want to be? OK, now you're telling me there's more than one kind of vampire. Oh, my friend, you have no idea. There's an Osferatu. There's the- Vampires and Vitae, an actual play podcast. Season two to Pop Culture Cosmos. Once again, it's the Lakers fast break. Lakers do unfortunately lose. If you didn't tell already, it's 129 to 109 to Memphis. Sean, though, when you look at it, or I know this game was very winnable, as of course what Joe was saying. I don't want to disagree with him there. But this was probably the game on the schedule that we were probably thinking would be a loss. Uh, Even with LeBron in the lineup or anything like that, we thought going in that if there's anywhere that they were going to lose along the line, it would be here. So we could take solace in the fact that they have two winnable games coming up, provided everybody is on the court to do so, making sure Joe's analysis is correct on that. Your thoughts on it, though. This was the game that we were you know, fortunate enough to be in, but I don't feel super bad that they lost because, again, of all the games on the schedule in those next 10 games or that I talked about coming off the break, this was going to be one of the hardest ones for them to go ahead and win outright. 
Yeah, you know, as as Joe was speaking, he's gonna try. He's coming up again. He's got another. It wasn't hard, man. I we I watched. They had this freaking game, man. But no one's available. That's the problem, man. You had you wasted a twenty-eight, nineteen, and five game by AD. AD was everywhere tonight. He was everywhere. He was who you want him to be. He was doing that the last game too. It's like a waste. You wasted. It's a waste. It's just constant waste, and it's tiring because no one is around. No one's playing. These guys are making thirty and forty million dollars a year, and they're not freaking playing, man. It's freaking irritating. So I know I I understand the perspective Joe has had, and I've heard other NBA fans have this perspective too that somehow the play-in tournament has actually been detrimental to the competitive balance in the NBA. But look at it from this point of view, from the small markets. So right now, the Thunder are 28-32. They're tied with the Lakers. They're a game and a half out of a playing spot, Gerald. On the reverse, they have a 23.5% chance of getting a top four pick. They also have a greater than 5% chance of selecting Victor Wembayana. And, and if they, even if they don't select Victor Wembayama or they don't have the number one pick, they can throw 500 picks at whoever team has the number one just to entice them. Yeah, so they're like... They're I know against, laughing when I say that. It's not 500 picks, but you get the idea. They have more first Innumerable. In, just, they have innumerable amount of picks they can offer. Go ahead, um, Stone. Does that I was just going to say, I, this is one of the most confident I've ever been that whoever gets the first pick is not trading it, no matter what package is thrown at them. We were talking about that the other night, Stone. Stone, would old, you yeah. take nine first-round draft picks and uh, four of our top five players? I, I would not. Okay. No. Yeah. But anyway, Gerald, I, I, hold on, Joe. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. If you look at the Pelicans, right? So the Pelicans are in a playing position right now. And they, they have, yes, they have a 20% chance themselves of getting a top four pick. Plus, they have a little less than, than 3% chance of getting Wembayama themselves. So a couple of these teams are, are, like we're past the point of no return here, obviously, but I, I understand. I also understand the frustration Joe has now because some of these teams might manipulate an injury or two here that, you know, instead of being off seven or 10 days, you're off, you know, 14 to uh, three weeks. So it, it, it works both ways here, but I think, I think, what the point is, is that, like Joe was saying, there are some people who see the plan as a competitive unbalance rather than competitive balance. But these small market teams get to have their cake and eat it too with their developmental situations by developing young players. And if they get into the playoffs, that's a boon because I get at least at least two playoff home games to build on my momentum here and or if somehow we slink back into a lottery position, I've got a 25% chance at a top four pick. 
I still got a chance to draft Victor. So I, I think I think what's happened is that a lot of these teams have just made up their minds that, yeah, okay, well, well, if we make the playoffs, that's great, but we're not going to necessarily go all in to try and make it. That's true. But you also got to remember for these smaller market teams, one or two playoff games at home, it's an extra million, two million, three million dollars uh, in revenue. So that's probably something that they look at as well. Joe, you wanted to interject, and I'm, I'll hit up Stone next after that. No, I'm gonna let everyone else finish. I think I did. I, I did enough. Okay, because you wanted to say something. I wanted to make sure you're okay, because you know if I, I, I'm getting kind of scared if I ask. There is a there is a there. Look, we've 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 known the NBA is tanked because that's the way it's set up. You either are gonna compete for a title or you're in. The Bermuda Triangle. So you, you, the other, the only thing that that the Charlotte Bobcats before they became the Hornets, they they ran that line for a while where they just kept getting the eighth seed, but they were never going to ever improve. No one is going to go to Charlotte to play there, and you know playing almost good is never good. You have to either really stink and get good players in the draft, or you, you, that, that, that's your that's it. Now, as far as the the you guys' discussion, this is what I originally put my hand up for. This is not the NFL, okay? Just because Oklahoma City gives eight first-round draft picks doesn't mean jack squat. The only way I do an eight first-round draft pick is if the contingency is as long as you have a top three pick in that first round for the next eight picks. And that well, let's say Oklahoma City, yeah, if they they would all have to convey as first-round draft picks, but also as well, you would have to if Oklahoma City offering, he would you'd be home grin have to be the, the Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. It would have to maybe be Josh Giddy and and maybe Isaiah Joe in the mix. You'd have to throw a huge package, I'm assuming Stone to even and and Joe and, and Magic, you'd have to throw a huge package at them to even get somebody that you know has the number one. Like let's say San Antonio wins it the lottery. You'd is have there, to throw a huge is there anything beyond a Godfather deal, Gerald? I, I don't know. I don't I've never heard of that beyond the Godfather. Whatever it is, that's what you'd have to offer the 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 team with the first pick. I don't know how anybody else feels, but like whatever, like beyond Godfather, I guess is what the offer would you be. You also have to have some like blackmail photos, uh, <laughs> you know, or maybe uh, something like that along with it. So I don't know. Just I, I agree with you guys. I don't think anything can be done or tempted. I know we're in the NFL, like like Joe's saying, we're seeing a situation now with the Chicago Bears who are actually fielding offers, pardon the pun, as far as field <laughs> concerned, fielding offers for a package for the number one pick. So I don't Is think- Is that why you wear the Mickey Mouse shirt with those jokes? Gosh. Hmm? Fair enough. Interrupting me while I'm talking. You do all the time to me. <laughs> when? <laughs> This oh, is <laughs> for the crowd who's confused. This was on playback. This wasn't here tonight. Okay, Stone. I want to ask you this before we head on out, my friend. D'Lo uh, is uh, been an issue. His ankle obviously is uh, irritating Joe to the extreme. But in past years, you know, maybe back a little bit more than you know, a better time that Joe remembers, Sean remembers, and I remember when a player is on the verge of getting out into unrestricted free agency and could be worth up to $30 million, 32, $33 million for a year for his salary, or could be down to 15 to 17, depending on the eye of the beholder and also the marketplace concerned, 
that player heading into free agency would have done everything they can to be on the floor stone. So I ask you, my friend, uh, you know, what is the mindset now that we can, that, you know, a guy like D'Lo who actually has to play for people to see him play, to see his value that he's at, whether it's the Lakers or somebody else, why is he not playing? Who is telling him this? Because he needs to be out on the floor, not just for the team, not just for the playoff drive, but for the fact is there's a lot of money at stake for him personally. Yeah, I think um, the way I always viewed the trade deadline was how can we speed up this process of getting rid of Westbrook faster while improving the team? I never thought the deadline was going to get us enough to be actual contenders for this year. But what we did was essentially what we did was the same thing that the rocket or sorry, the um, wizards did when they traded him, which was he's such a massive contract, but now you have, you break it up into smaller contracts that are now more movable. And that's what the Lakers did, but that they have free agents now and flexibility. So my whole thought process has always been re-sign D'Lo um, up to like $25 million a year. Uh, even if he doesn't necessarily warrant that, I think you need that money on the books to make sure that you have contracts that you can move uh, because it's not a $47 million contract. Uh, $25 million is much more movable in today's NBA. And um, like Be- Malik Beasley has a team option of $16 million. I think you have to pick that up. You have to retain as many of these uh, salary slots as you can so that you now have assets to move uh, throughout free agency or early in next season or at the deadline because uh, next year's deadline because um, you're not going to be able to we, we saw how it went when you have two max players and a ton of minimum guys like there's just nobody to trade um, and we saw it last year and it didn't work out but if you now have uh, salaries your salary input that is marginal decreasing marginally throughout the roster you have 25 million uh you have Malik Beasley for 16 you resign Ruri Hachimura for six or seven million or something you now have these assets that you can put together or or trade out uh to improve the team and I think that for me it's always been about what can we do this summer to make ourselves contenders because I don't think by the time we got to the deadline we're in too big of a hole to come back and and not get be like first round bumps like wherever we ended up we were probably going to face the nuggets we were probably going to face uh, now the suns at the deadline or and i don't think those are winnable matchups for the lakers at this point but now that we have assets that we can uh hypothetically retain uh, i think that be, looking at what we can do with those and the flexibility this summer should be the primary goal uh, and I think we have the capability to make this a contending roster over the offseason uh, after the moves that Polinka had done at the deadline got us to where we are now. Before I hit Joe with one last question, uh, if the Warriors GM... Bob Myers. Becomes- Bob Myers. Yes, yeah. It's like, it's like brain fade. I know, Joe, like Joe was saying, I hate it when that happens, but Bob Myers becomes available. Should the Lakers go for him? <laughs> You're saying Yes. I'm saying yes as well. Should you I, 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 should you date Charlie Sterren, Gerald? Oh, I, I cannot comment on that publicly, unfortunately, due to my marriage with my own wife. But yes, uh, the answer would be, you never know. We'll say, Joe, I will uh, ask you this before we head on out, my friend. 
I know the chat room is going crazy after a bad loss like this. Mrs. Like Glassford, I meant nothing by that. That was yes. a joke to throw off Gerald because it's so easy. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Oh, so much. <laughs> Since you're so adamant on not picking up anyone, after tonight's performance, especially with the turnovers, do you see them actually uh, trying to go ahead and pick up somebody on a roster for a playoff run? Kemba Walker? Kemba Walker is fried chicken. And not our our friend fried chicken on 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 the his chat. knees are fried. That's for sure. It's pretty brutal when you when you're honest about it. And I, I know it's probably sad if you were to w- watch us say that about him. But we we're all fried chicken in the end, guys. At some point, one day we'll be there too. It's just the reality of life. Um, we we cannot get any help to fix this problem other than what we have. I just wanted D'Lo to play tonight. That's really all I wanted. And unfortunately, we couldn't get that. And it doesn't look like we're going to get him tomorrow either. But, you know, we'll so have do you think Friday. that should you think that hurts his contract value as far as no. it continues? Just an ankle tweak like this no. lasting no. so long? Probably not. Uh, no, Lakers are in no position to be picky. They made a trade that allowed them to have young players with some depth. And Rob's decision-making in the summer is going to really, really show if this team has a run, at least one more run for a title with the AD LeBron faction. The only way that happens and it's successful is if uh, they have enough depth on this team to, to weather the 30 to 25 games that those guys will miss. Next Not year. even Drogic? Goran Drogic? I, I mean, Drogic, if he's playing 12 minutes a game, sure. But I don't I don't really know if he's got capable of even doing that right now. Because the first is the deadline for players to be bought out for the contracts to make them eligible for someone else's playoff run. Is, can Drogic run up and down for 25, 30 minutes? No. Stone yeah. is saying no. No. Yeah. Can't run in this league. Okay, you can't run when you're truly not healthy. They're not running when they're healthy. They're taking days off. So, and and again, I gave you those statistics from Phoenix. So you can't come back and say, well, Joe, it's 2019 and stop being living in the past. Or it doesn't work like that because of blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, no, they were playing the same way for three years. Three Three years. years? Three, three, but they were playing 75, 81, 82, 78, 79. These a-holes are playing freaking 55 and 58, making 40 million, 30 million. So what's the fix? Okay, how about we do this? How about you guys help us out with your salary? If you don't want to play 82 games a year, can can we have some designated guy that has some talent that can cover the other games? Oh, no, no, that's my money. No, no, I can – I'm Ben Simmons. I'm still making – I want my $40 million, even though I decided I wanted to take a year off because my back hurt and I wanted to go play Call of Duty for freaking 14 hours a day. <laughs> oh, boy. Which Call oh of boy. Duty, though? Some years it's not really good. Some others it's actually a lot better. Mm-hmm. Which Call of Duty? Got to make sure which year. 
they have a different game that comes out every year. Never mind. Stone, <laughs> appreciate so much you being part of what we do here. Z, I think you're crazy. Pat Bev, okay, you're saying we missed Pat Bev tonight? I don't know about that. I, I, that's think, Z, get I think Z is so frustrated, like we are, <laughs> that she's just trying. She's pulling everything out. I agree. Maybe Magic Johnson could have helped us out tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm I'm with you, Z. I really am. I I don't. I, I'm. We're fried. We're fried chicken mentally. We got to wait 20 more games. We got to wait 20 more games for this, and then playoff basketball is a little easier to kind of deal with because you know that guys will will will, will sack up a little bit more when it comes to playoff games, at least. So. With all that, it's nice having you on, Stone. It's the first time we've been together. So, yeah, I uh, appreciate glad, Gerald glad, having glad me on, on as always. Yeah, you're always for welcome. You're, yeah, you're always welcome to be a part of what we do. You know, it's available on whenever you can do it, man. And you, obviously, you and I will have our conversations one on one in the future on the NBA draft and all that. But you're always welcome to stop by here for the post games just to hear Joe Rand if you want up close and personal. <laughs> That's always great. But before we head on out, uh, and then also miss, you know, Sean with his great insight as well, and then me with my myself getting in trouble just by asking questions and getting Joe mad just by asking questions. <laughs> I, I almost feel like I was an ESPN reporter there for a second. But before we head on out, my friend, I wanted you to go ahead and make sure everybody knows you are a great part of a triumvirate that's part of a great show on the NBA draft. Yes, I know, Joe. Triumvirate, wow. Yes. Fancy schmancy. What's the matter, Joe? You never read Shakespeare? You're acting rather truculent. <laughs> well, you you know what the you and the a-holes and the a-holes and the this and the that, you know, just like I can't curse, I can't curse. I thought I'd just try to, you know. Well, I didn't. A-hole could mean airhead, air air hole. Yeah, that's true. But Stone, please let everyone know why. People need to check out, of course, the Upside Swings NBA Draft podcast. Yeah, obviously the the obvious pitch is that the draft isn't that far away, so um, it's a good time to to get in and learn more about it. We spend <laughs> like we have hour and a half, two hour podcasts um, that uh, if you really want to like dive extremely deep on the podcast um, uh, on prospects, uh, that is what we do. Uh, we make sure that we watch, you know, a good 10 plus games of every prospect and um, dissect them as thoroughly as possible and vet them out. We watch tons and tons of games all day. That's all I do is just watch prospects, especially during this time. And we get into it. Uh, and then when the time comes, usually around May or so, we do our series, our annual series, uh, 30 teams in 30 days, where we get a uh, host for each team and Gerald was on it uh, I believe last year or two years ago and uh, we talk about each team uh, and dissect sort of like what prospects would be good for them in their range uh, but yeah if you want to just know about every prospect in this NBA draft um, we are currently doing that put out uh, most recently a, a podcast on the Thompson twins and soon to be released uh, all the wings of Grady Dick uh, Jet Howard, Brandon Miller, and so on. 
Your thoughts on Jet Howard before we end on that, because I know his name has come up constantly in the past couple of weeks. I know the, and, and I also wanted to ask on another serious question before we head on as well, but Jet Howard, is, his name has popped up as a wing possibility that might fall to the Lakers, wherever they're drafting. Yeah, I'm, I mean, for the Lakers, Jet would be a decent pickup, but Jet is, I'm considerably lower on him because I think that he is super limited in terms of the space creation he has. Uh, he's an east-west guy uh, that can dribble, but he cannot dribble forward. Um, he has a ton of passing and offensive processing issues, uh, and defensively has got some issues as well. So I'm a much lower on him than a lot of people, but the shooting truly is elite, and he's got some fantastic touch within this class. Uh, it's just sort of a brief breakdown of him. And last but not least, obviously, the situation in Alabama with Brandon Miller, obviously, with the dark turn there and a young lady's life taken all too soon in a situation that he got himself involved in as far as handing the gun to someone else who handed it to someone else, I believe, who made who did the, the, the actual shooting. The two other individuals, one of which was a player on Alabama's team, was actually cited and actually are, are served, you know, going to be uh, in court, uh, you know, in regards to this murder, this terrible murder that took place. His presence or uh, participation or whatever you want to call into it as far as him being called a cooperative witness by law authorities, so he hasn't been cited for anything, still is made for an ugly situation. Alabama's coach has not made anything better. Has that done anything to affect NBA's team's perception on him making good or bad choices in the league and maybe his uh, stock or his standing as far as that possibly a top three pick in the draft? From what I have heard, um, the people that I talk to who know more than I do, um, it hasn't really changed how the NBA views him uh, in his stock. Uh, I think that he's still a lock to go top five uh, when the NBA comes around. Obviously, NBA teams will do their fair share of uh, – they're not going to not talk about it, uh, especially when it comes to the uh, combine uh, where players always give their interviews. Um, I'm sure every team will ask them about it uh, in detail. They'll do a thorough vetting process of everything. But to my knowledge, as of now, it has not changed where Brandon Miller will go uh, in the draft. Because people don't understand when these teams are drafting, especially near the top of the draft, that's for tens of millions of dollars. So you need to do your research, not only on the medical backgrounds, but the what is this guy like that you're going to draft? What is his past? What is his, you know, what could potentially be his future? What is his character? What is, you know, like what is all these things go into play as far as from a psychological and also a physical aspect. So uh, I, I want to see in the coming weeks and months if that is going to affect his status long term. But as of right now, it looks like status quo. And, and uh, you know, obviously the, the poor choice of words by the coach and, and how that's been handled by the university. I would have sat him down to try it and, and, you know, figure out what's going on and maybe have some of this controversy blown off because uh, I think that would have probably been better for all parties concerned. But, you know, they kept him playing Stone and you know, for better or worse, it's it's made it uh, that type of situation. Yeah, and the games he has played, um, <laughs> like, uh, he, I mean, he's really just balled out in the couple yeah. of games that he's played, so I think that that has taken away any, not any sort of, but a lot of the heat in terms of, uh, you know, the stock falling significantly. So, yeah, I don't know enough to really comment about, you know, whether he 
should be faced any sort of punishment or anything. But just in terms of the draft stock purely, from what I know, he'll he'll still be more than likely a top five and, and very possibly a top three pick. Sean or Joe, uh, did you guys have any questions for Stone since he is one of our leading NBA draft experts that comes on the show? He's been coming on for years now. Is there any questions that you have in concern for him on maybe for the Lakers or anything concerning the NBA draft? I'd like to get more intimately involved with the draft for this season because I believe that this will be – it will be a rival of twenty the twenty the 2003 draft. I believe this will be one of the most talented – draft years uh, of this of this generation let's say you can even say 96 2003 1984 always come to mind and then now it's looking like 2023 is going to be involved in one of those we're not going to know 100 percent until things start but it's darn near looking that way and it'll um, probably be somewhere in the teens and it's going to be important for us as laker fans to know where we're going to be there because we're going to be, even if we don't make the lottery, we're going to be there with some talent available and with the Pelicans uh, not extending themselves here, whether, whether we're picking 17 and swapping 19, I don't even know what the hell they're going to do, but it's definitely something of interest for not only myself and Sean and I don't know, Gerald, are you interested at all? You and I have been going to, you and I were going to have a great laugh if the New Orleans Pelicans actually end up getting a worse record than the Lakers and they cannot use that swap. Uh, we're going to have a huge laugh. It's that. not worse. It's, I want it to be the same. Okay. Fair enough. Cause I want them to make that decision. I want them to make the decision of, damn it, we're going from 17 to 16. I have to get clarification on this, but I believe they have the right to defer the swap as well. Is that for this pick? I, I, I did not see that. I just know that they mm. have next year's pick from the Lakers. I know they have okay. next year's pick from the I Lakers. I do know yeah. involved in that trade. I'll get clarification so the next time I come on, I can okay. clarify this. I might be this. wrong on this. I think if they don't make a decision this year, something doesn't go their way next year. No, I thought Maybe. they get the pick next year. Yeah, to, uh, I, I know... One of the picks, maybe it's already happened and I wasn't aware of it, but I do know that one of the picks involved had a deferment where uh, if the Pelicans chose to not use it a certain year, they can use it the following year. Um, that may be this pick, that may be not, but uh, I'll definitely have an answer for you the next time I come on. That's uh, greatly appreciated on that. Sean, any questions yep. for Stone? Yes, I do. Stone, there's a, there's a, a great guard from um, the NC State Wolfpack that I really love. And I think he's going to be a, a dynamite NBA player, and that's uh, Terquavion Smith. He reminds me a lot of Bones Highland, man. I'm not sure if you've seen like similar things, but they do similar things. He's all over the stat sheet most for most games. I know tonight Proctor kind of locked him up, but that can happen. How do you see him fitting in the NBA? And do you think he's available if the Lakers are picking, you know, in the teens or early 20s? Yeah, I here's a name I brought up with Gerald last time I came on uh, on the podcast. And I, re I remember you said it. That's yeah, <laughs> I, I'm very in on Turcravion. I was in on him last year. Uh, I would have had him as a top 20 guy last year. He came back. He's improved in areas in terms of finishing and strength. Uh, to warrant, I think, for me, a top 10 pick, which is much higher than I think the consensus would have him. 
Um, but I do believe that off the dribble as a shooter, he is extremely talented, has extremely deep range. Most of the shots he's taking from three are well beyond the three-point line. Um, he is in a unique situation in North Carolina State where he uh, does not have very many other playmakers. So he's sort of been put in this role where he is creating more. Uh, and to his credit, he's done a decent job at it. That was one of the knocks, I think, as to why he didn't stay in last year. Uh, and he's gotten better as a playmaker, gotten better as a passer. Uh, there's still a lot of issues in terms of like overgumption and overestimating his abilities where he likes to, he gets out of control um, a little too often. But uh, just in terms of the shooting, it is really explosive. And that ball handling for me is one of the top in this class. Extremely fantastic ball handler. The decisions he makes out of the advantages he creates can be questionable at times. But I do think uh, the combination of shooting and ball handling makes him a really, really special prospect that I would prioritize with the Lakers or Pelicans pick, whichever we end up with. All right. And one and one more, man. I got a, a big for you. Um, I've talked to Gerald about him. He's not, he's basically, he's like really not on anybody's draft board. It's Zach Eady. Honestly, man, like I, I know there's mobility issues with him and but he really reminds me of like a potential of like he could be like a seven four uh, Ivica Zubats to me. Like he's just got a very smooth post game, and uh, I I don't think the mobility would necessarily be a hindrance stone if he was coming off the bench. I don't know how you feel about him. The way I view him is. I think Boban is one of the most skilled bigs in the NBA, believe it or not. Uh, he doesn't get the minutes to show it, but I think he has fantastic touch and passing and quick reflexes and vision. But he can't stay on the court because of defensive and motor issues and speed issues with the pace of the game. I view Edie as a less talented Boban, and Boban's mm-hmm. already someone that is getting very minimal, if any, minutes on the Rockets, which is the worst team in the league. He just doesn't have the same level as touch as Boban, I don't think. Uh, the passing is not quite as quick and reactive. Like Boban's doing a lot of like touch passes as soon as it comes off the rim, things like that. Edie is not quite at that level. And I think with the perspective that I have, if he's even worse than what Boban is currently, I just don't really see a path to the NBA with him. Uh, others may disagree and, um, you know, that's fine. There's there's people I think that do have him top 60 that I've seen that I talk to uh, and, and generally trust their opinions on. But uh, for me personally, it's not someone uh, I would consider drafting. Just wanted to go ahead and make sure uh, Z actually is right on this. Uh, just let you know, according to LakersNation.com, I hate to go to that place, but I have to give them credit. The Lakers future draft picks, it is the right to swap picks this year. Okay. And Pelicans have the right to receive either 24 or the 25 first round. Draft okay. Pick. So that's what yeah. I have. So uh, from what? I have been able to tell in the range that we'll be picking for this year, we would want them to swap this year. 25 is a stronger class in the middle, in the deeper part of it, because there's a lot of one. looks in, horrible. 24, yeah, but uh, it's the right to defer in 25 or 24? No, it's 20. If they don't want like what they see in 24, okay. they can they can move to 25. Oh, and yeah, okay. The Lakers, so. Okay, got you. So it's next year's the deferment option. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would, I would prefer them to defer in twenty four. Then twenty five is an extremely strong class. Yeah, twenty four is not looking too healthy at this point. They have players near the top, but it's definitely not as deep as twenty five. Well, so if the... Ronnie James is getting all that kind of love that he is, and <laughs> rising up draft boards, I don't think it's uh, that good of a draft. 
you know, this time last year, he was what 50th to 75th ranked individual mm. in his class. Yeah. There's a lot of top international talent next year. Yeah. That we haven't seen in a while, but yeah, once you get past the water, I think it's going to be pretty, pretty bleak. Joe, you wanted to say something? I think I'm sorry to interrupt. Well, yeah, I don't, I, uh, I, I, I had never, I hadn't seen, I'd watched, I'd read the information. I, I just, they have to make the swap this year. Right, there's no other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's. But they, it's they a, also have the right to swap uh, first round picks. They also get, they can they can choose to pick the Lakers' 24 pick, 2024 first round pick, or the 2025 first round pick. They get their choice of either or. As far as so on top of that. beyond, I'm talking about just this year. This year yeah. they have to swap. If they don't swap, then they they lose it. They lose it. They have to mm-hmm. swap. So that's why the comedy in this is they're swapping one. <laughs> sl- <laughs> they'll they'll likely swap. One which could spot. be Turquavion Smith, you never know, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's definitely it's definitely better than swapping five or ten spots that we might have thought earlier in the season. Yeah, I mean, there was a time where they were the 14th team, Lakers, and New Orleans had the one seat at the at one point. That would have been <laughs> yeah. disa- that would have been disastrous, yeah. especially if they had gotten a top two pick. I probably would have stopped watching basketball. <laughs> we were getting close. I mean, that was really bad. I probably would have stopped watching basketball. I'm not, I'm not afraid to admit that I did not watch Laker games for a good 20-game stretch because I, I didn't want to watch Russell Westbrook. So, uh, yeah, there's definitely a period of time that – and also because I'm, I'm, I don't watch every Laker game as it is because I'm so focused on the draft. I watch a lot of international and college games. But um, there is a time specifically earlier in the year where I was just like – I'll wait till they get better. It's so bad that I don't know why I'm putting myself through this. There's other games in the NBA to watch. Uh, so, I wanted to go uh, ahead and touch uh, Russ. Russ has eight assists in the first half, and the Clippers <laughs> are losing to the Minnesota Timberwolves. That's good. I hope the Timberwolves keep losing. I want to go the, ahead and we need the Timberwolves to lose. Actually, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to go ahead and touch on this real quick. Uh, Blue Magic says he knows teams buy second round picks all the time for cash. Does this happen for first round picks on the back end stone? Correct me if I'm wrong. That does happen on occasion on the back end. As far as in the twenties, sometimes teams, you know, move up, they pay some cash or they do a little bit of favors here and there second round picks that don't convey something like that in order to move up to a first round pick. If one of those uh, better teams with a late first round pick, doesn't like what they want or they don't and they want to keep the cap space for something else it can happen more often than not like we saw with the lakers and max christie it's generally a high second round pick yeah. uh, because the the team trading in would rather get that non-guaranteed contract in the second round than, than pay for a fully guaranteed contract but if someone if it's someone they really believe in and really like uh, that's in the back end of the first round occasionally you'll see a team pop up and, and trade in for someone they super, they really believe in uh, but it's it's definitely not very common. Zangerstein said, if the Lakers retain all these players, are all uh, you know as far as the players that we really care about, what position should they get for the 2023 first round pick if they decide to go ahead and trade it? Because they can't trade it until they make that pick. Uh, I, I I'm firmly believe that the Lakers held on to their 2029 pick in order to to pair it with their 2023 and traded draft night. Um, I, I don't know what salaries they would attach to it, but I think that um, if the Lakers 
really wanted to go all in at the trade deadline, that 2029 would have been moved. But I think they're playing the longer game and, and waiting for both those picks to be available to trade in a bigger package. I agree with you on that one, but they have to just every know there has to be maybe you know something over the phone that says, "Hey, can you pick this guy for us?" But the Lakers actually have to make the pick before they can go ahead and trade it. From what I understand, that is correct. Yeah, but if they do plan on trading at draft night, they they'll they'll make the pick. They'll they'll be the one telling Adam Silver who they want to pick. But some other team will will really be telling the Lakers, you know, this is the guy we want, and you're selecting him for us. Absolutely. But guys, it's been a great conversation. Please go ahead and check out for more of that draft insight. Awesome draft insight and conversation. Join him as part of a great trio of co-hosts right there talking all the things that you need to hear about when it comes to the NBA draft at the Upside Swings NBA Draft podcast. You can get it today wherever you get your podcast. Have you guys gone on video as of yet, YouTube, or is that still in the works? Still in the works, um, but we plan to get that up soon. Hopefully, um, we have a lot that we're all we're all inundated with with draft stuff at this point. So we're we're at this point just trying to watch as many games as we can. All right, but right now the Lakers are still twenty nine and thirty three. Uh, they are thirteenth place in the Western Conference. They're only a game out. It's twelfth place. I'm sorry, twelfth place in the Western Conference. Only a game out from the New Orleans Pelicans, which absolutely makes Joe and I just really still have hope for this season. With Utah losing and uh, just basically Dallas losing as well, this wacky West is getting even more tighter. And if there's any way the Lakers can go ahead and finish out the week strong with two wins, you never know. You never know indeed. But great to have everyone here. We're doing the Laker Tom lean-in right there for you. Joe, great to have you here as well, my friend. Any thoughts thoughts before we head on out? No. Okay. That's awesome. That was totally in-depth. Sean, Magic Man in the morning, Friday morning, 7.30. I know Blue Magic is complaining that you're not doing it every morning, but, man, the guy's got to work, man. Yeah, I do, I, do, I do have to work. I do have another job that's unfortunately – Is know, it taking my, care of Joe? It's No. No. No, but I would take that over what I'm doing right now because okay. I think it would pay more. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but you have to fly over to California and go to Simblades. Simblades with that, the water. That, you know what? You know what, Gerald? I'd be all right with that. America's the greatest country in the world. I'm saying that living in Canada. So that would be a different dream come true. Working for Joe Soro. <laughs> You'd have to sponsor his visa, though, Joe. He would. He would. Just do it. Okay. All right. Well, you know, if that's the case, your whole life but, in the States is being dependent on Joe Soro. I'm just but look, Ger- uh, Gerald, I can't thank you enough for uh, giving me this opportunity. And <laughs> all right. All right. I feel Jay, like you, where's your uh, award? You know. <laughs> they really love me. I'm not <laughs> doing <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> no, Sean, it's just so happy for you, man, because I know it's something you really want to do, and I'm really glad you're going to do it. But, guys, truly great to have you here. Thanks again for being a part of what we do with the best Lakers chat room that's out there, the Lakers Fast Break. Stone Hansen, please go ahead and check out his podcast, the Upside Swings podcast. Support Joe Soro. 
Ox1947 at LakersBall.com and SimBlaze.com. Don't forget Laker Tom and also Jamie Sweet at LakerHolics.com. Of course, Magic Man in the Morning coming Friday. But we are going to be back tomorrow. The game starts at 5 p.m. Just to mm-hmm. let everyone know, it's at Oklahoma City. Big game. Big, big game. Once again, the Lakers, if they win this game, it sets them back on the right track and gets them closer to the play-in. So hopefully we can get this thing done with or without D'Angelo. You know we're without LeBron, but hopefully we can get it done. But looking forward to tomorrow's game, plus also as well the post-game show. Looking forward to the best post-game analysis anywhere. Joe, what are you doing? My hands look huge like this. Yeah, I know that. That's why I was kind of, like you said, always throws me off. But the best post-game analysis from Big Hands, Joe Trending. Go ahead and check out below, below on the YouTube, why Joe is trending right there for for you. (laughs) He's showing his finger the other way around. But please go ahead and like and subscribe. We're so close to 500 subscribers. We're truly, truly appreciative of that. And anything you can do to help and support us is greatly appreciated. But we'll be back tomorrow. Lakers fast break right there for you at playback.tv. And then afterwards, the best post-game analysis anywhere as Joe drops another spoon right here for the Los Angeles Lakers. There is no spoon. There is no spoon right here at the Lakers fast break podcast.